بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین والصلاۃ والسلام علی رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ویلکم آڈینس ٹو ٹوک ان دین پوڈ کاسٹ نمبر فورٹین السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ مائی نیم از ماجد ایم یو ہوسٹ اینڈ ٹوڈے آف از یوزو مسٹر مامین من بردر راش السلام علیکم راش ٹو کے آر انسٹاگرام Make sure you guys follow him. And also the return of the Mac. We have uh, the return of JK, Brother JK. Uh, obviously, uh, people will know you from the Talking Sierra podcast. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, inshallah ta'ala. How's it going, brothers? Alhamdulillah. Going well, yeah. It's good to be part of this uh, Talking talk Dean. Uh, I, I, don't, I think it's been a while since it's I've been while, on. Yeah. Uh, but I've been watching, obviously, watching the episodes and there have been really some really good discussions. So looking forward to taking part today, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, last episode as well, we had a really good discussion yeah. about obviously different scholars and things like that, as well as, you know, role That's models. Yeah. I think, again, we got some good feedback from some youngsters as well, saying that, you know, mm. try to connect a bit more with the type of um, things they're watching, they're, you know, seeing online and stuff. Um, yeah. I think a few jokes as well uh, that they were saying about obviously mentioning some YouTube people and stuff. To be yeah. fair, I didn't know some of them, but... PewDiePie. PewDiePie and stuff, but yeah, that was good. So some of the, some of the youngsters who was listening and watching uh, responded to that. So Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah, obviously mm-hmm. it's uh, a while since you've been on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, at this point, uh, I think it's, it's important to highlight to our audience uh, that, you know, about the Talking Sira. Yeah. The fact that you're delivering Talking Sira. Uh, maybe yeah. if you want to just, you know, add, add anything about that, it's your, give you this... 30 seconds of... Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't, obviously I'm a bit biased, but it's going well. Alhamdulillah, I think it is going well. I've had really good feedback from people that I've been watching, listening on, on all the podcast platforms. And yeah, I'm enjoying it myself. I'm doing a lot, a lot of research, a lot of reading, uh, trying to find different angles, how I can apply it to society and reality. And some of the lessons, and definitely when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm preparing, when I'm delivering, I feel as though I'm kind of growing into it. Uh, at first, obviously, there's a bit of nervousness doing, doing things like that, being on camera. Um, the good thing about this, there's a few people, so you can yeah. kind of... Uh, play off each other but uh, in front of the camera camera on your own sometimes you, it's quite it's a bit difficult it's, it's, it doesn't come naturally but alhamdulillah i think i think i don't know you, what you guys think but i think it's going well and yeah it's been received quite well alhamdulillah Alex, i don't, don't really want to big you up too much to your face <laughs> but uh what i would say is is you know it, it's i find it very very beneficial i listen to it in the car you know uh, i watch it with the kids and i think that that's the very that's the most important thing is the kids because what's happening with the sira is You know, um, either people see it as a storybook mm. or they just see it as like a biography mm. rather than seeing it as something which we can, uh, you know, which we need to see as a guide Absolutely. for our life now. And that's what's really good about your your talking series show is because, you know, you, you're giving the, you're talking about the previous events, but then you're using the wisdom from those events and applying it to today. Exactly. And I think that's something which is really important. And that's why, you know, the youth is very important. As, and Rash, you know, the last week, We uh, attended a freshers event. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. You know, that subhanallah. Was really good. You know, uh, mm-hmm. where you know we were in contact with the 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 youngsters, the freshers who are mm-hmm. leaving their homes for the first time, and for those people, especially, you know, when you've been living with your own family and stuff like, maybe in your own community, to leave that now and to to you know to live on uh, on halls and be mm-hmm. around an atmosphere where, in fact, it's pushing you towards the fitna. It's yeah, pushing yeah. you towards everything that's un-Islamic. You know, it's very important that you know there's an environment there which, Alhamdulillah, we've seen from the yeah. the brother, local ISOC brothers. Yes, yeah. You know that they're trying to create this environment because you know it's very important. Because when when, when you got to understand, humans are social beings. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
and when you leave home and and you you need to belong to something okay yeah. and that, that's why a university you have societies yeah. okay it's a society away from your society mm-hmm. um so the fact that there's no side so we did an event yeah. we gave us some merchandise yeah so um, it was really good like you say it was on juma as well so we were able to speak to a lot of people who came to juma maybe for the first time being at that university so again there was like people were looking around for the prayer room and stuff so we were able to help some of them yeah. um we came and chatted with them for quite a while afterwards little sit down gathering bit of a halaka just really more to do with you know how does it feel different being yeah. away from home and discussing discussing core things that you know when they've come to this kind of environment how do they make sure they stay around muslims yeah. how do they make sure that the type of things that they're doing are you know allowed we're fortunate that they you know there's a society of of muslims and youngsters nowadays who do refer to islam yeah. immediately when they've got certain questions but at the same time if you're not in a good environment it can go the other way and alhamdulillah that's what that yeah. isoc there was doing a really good job of events and and things to make people it's important as well because you know there's 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 one thing which we might talk about people starting doing things which they shouldn't whether it's going clubbing and and pubbing and and all this sort of stuff but the reality also is and I've seen firsthand and actually I think it it sort of links naturally to our topic today as well mm. is the fact that you know uh, you actually have to safeguard your iman of course because you know I've seen people uh, and I've actually been in contact with people at university and stuff who actually left Islam mm-hmm. you know um, and and that's why uh, this links into the topic today because even on Instagram Yeah. Um and also at this point you know inshallah maj 77 hussein on instagram if uh, follow me inshallah taala you'll see regular updates for our podcast as well uh, and snippets and stuff but on my instagram i'm i'm, I'm uh, i was discussing with this this person and basically what he was saying to me was that from his point of view and he was obviously generalizing right so fact is generalizing mm-hmm. but we can we can touch upon that as well but what he was saying is that um a lot of people that he's in contact with muslim people in the west you know because of yeah. uh science because of open information because of prosperity mm. what he was saying is that a lot of muslim youth are leaving islam mm. okay and and uh, or they were becoming agnostic yeah. but they weren't uh, mention it to their families they would keep it to themselves but obviously in their friend circle you know obviously I discussed with this guy and he's not muslim anyway so you know he was generalizing because you know he might paint that picture mm. and you know what he probably didn't realize is I also live in the west you know and I can also paint uh, paint another picture but what I think is important um and probably leads me to the first question is that you know many people will claim that there is a crisis that mm. the muslims are facing at the moment uh, linked to people leaving islam okay and what can happen is that sometimes we can be uh defensive in the sense like we don't want to acknowledge it okay mm. um and at some and then at the same time you might get some people who have a a a a popular a popular platform who may paint a picture as if everyone's leaving islam okay mm-hmm. so i think you need to be realistic but what my first question is that uh, are we dealing with a crisis uh, a crisis as uh, you know one person said uh, about muslims especially the youth leaving islam I think you know I think it's it is a, d- a debate and this discussion that we do have I've had this discussion with other people as well that are we really facing a crisis or is there like mass apostasy taking place in within the ummah and the first thing we need to do is recognize we're a global ummah so it's not we can't just isolate it as just the muslims that live in the west 
what's their situation, what's the situation of the Muslims that live uh, in, in the Muslim lands. Mm. We're a global ummah, we, we, we're a united ummah, we carry the same thoughts, we carry the same aqidah, right? So at a ummah level, at a macro level, um, from from what I've seen, from my experience, from generally, um, when speaking to others, I don't think we have a crisis of you know mass apostasy. You know, we're an ummah of 1.6 billion, I think we're, we're growing. Um, and the fact is, we're not we're not facing mass apostasy as though people are just every day leaving Islam. However, what I would say is that there is a crisis in the sense that because of this Western dominance and capitalist dominance around the world, whether it be in the Western world, even in the Muslim lands, because they are the system that's dominating the world today, there is a crisis in the sense that our viewpoint. Um, is starting to be questioned and Muslims are being affected and influenced by Western values. So due to this, uh, they may not be leaving Islam and they may not, but there's certain questions that are coming up uh, that aren't compatible with, so Islam and and Western thought are coming at at a clash, right? So when it comes to our youth, um, they're they're getting getting educated, they're, they're, they're taking on board certain views and values that don't really align with Islam. So you may call it science, you may call it um, philo- Western philosophy, philosophy yeah. that doesn't isn't really compatible with the Islamic viewpoint. And the the, the youth, and, and not just the youth, even even kind of the, the ones that are a bit older, um, have to make this decision that do I carry on with being firm upon my deen and the, the, the Islamic values that I have embraced and the question is, have they really really fully embraced this? So that's another question. Or do I start to kind of compromise or start to kind of, what's the word, integrate with Western? And I think this is where the crisis is, rather than mass apostasy. I don't think that is the case. Yeah, well, I, I tend to think also that it's easy to kind of paint a picture, isn't it, or a label and just to say, oh, yeah, because we know there's certain movements that have started in certain places, movements of ex-Muslims, or even you see the promotion of a lot of ex-Muslims. Yeah. Then you get kind of media painting the fact that, oh, OK, there's lots of people leaving Islam. So it's really easy just to say, OK, that's what's happening. But I actually think it's slightly different to that. So crisis is, a you know, it's a subjective yeah. word. The way I would look at it more so is that there's almost two ends of a spectrum that's happening there's on one side you're getting a lot of youth and a lot of muslims that are coming closer to the deen Mm. you know when we were younger the level of understanding of islam that we might have you know if we go to a university and chat to three brothers like we were doing the other day the level of Mm. islam that they understood at the age of 20 21 18 19 i'll 100% put my hand up and say i didn't understand islam as well as them when i was that age but so you see a lot more muslims and whether it's the advent of social media, whether it's easy access to information, whether it's YouTube yeah. because you've got eloquent speakers giving Islam, whether it's even the fact that sometimes, you know, some of the difficult questions will come will come to shortly, whether it's those ones and then you see a refutation for it. Yeah. So you might get, there's like, there was a good, there, I watched this good video of Yusha Evans and there was this question about, you know, if... Um, Allah knows predestined what's gonna where you whether you go into Jannah or Jahannam. Does that mean you can't change that? You don't know. You know you don't have free will. Those kind of questions. Yeah. In the past, if you didn't have someone else coming to the fore and going, this is how you answer this question. This is how Islam completely and correctly can can answer that question for you. You might have questioned. So I think there's yeah. one end of the spectrum where Muslims are becoming more practicing yeah. and we're seeing a positive. But at the same time, because of what you said, yeah. is that 
you know, the secular society and the society at large being dominated by a certain ideology, that's affecting Muslims and non-Muslims. Yeah, yeah. So as an example, where it affects Muslims, then some of them are either, maybe they apostatize, mm. but maybe it's not, I won't call it mass, but probably more likely they lose confidence exactly. in Islam. Yeah, yeah. So what ends up happening is they might not outwardly go, I'm, I'm no longer a Muslim, but inwardly they might be like, just going with the flow, you know, you know, when it's like Ramadan, yeah. they go and pray and things like that. But rest of the year, they're really yeah, kind detached. of detached yeah, that, from that, it. That's what this guy was 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 trying to say. Yeah, like yeah. the many people who probably don't exactly. So they don't apostatize, yeah, yeah. but maybe they lose that confidence. So I actually think there is both ends of the spectrum. But th I think that's a natural phenomena for the yeah. fact that we don't see Islam implemented as an ideology, and therefore naturally the other dominant ideology of capitalism is going to yeah. have an effect on people. Yeah, yeah. We can't be naive to that and just the, the other thing to know is um you know with uh, western capitalism western liberalism um it's always i mean it's existed for a while yeah. so it's not like a new phenomenon it has been here for a while um but what we're witnessing is that there's an aggressive form of liberalism yeah, yeah. that's um th that's coming yeah. into the fore right now and um so whether that be kind of the lgbt movement the really aggressive liberalist Liberal. movement um, even and, and it's in the education system. The re, you know before the education system, we were we went through it as well, um, and we had challenges. Mm. But I I think that youth today have greater challenges. So, um, in I I was speaking to someone um, quite quite recently a few months ago, and they were explaining how even within the education system they have this um like the the they said like a debate. So they they want to cause more debate. Mm. So they try and make you question everything you hold as kind of truth. They want you to question that and see the other side of the argument. And what's dangerous about that is that they they, they, they want you to question your whole belief system, yeah. um, even whether it be Islam or any other belief. Um, and this is quite dangerous because what you're doing is you're trying to find flaws yeah. in, in your own belief. And you know, with Islam, many people may say that Islam means peace, but it doesn't mean peace, right? It means submission, right? The thing is, you know, just sorry to interject, no, you know that kind of thinking... Like they might class it like as critical thinking, isn't it? See, in a way, it's not a bad thing. Well, it's not a bad thing to make people go, I need to formulate myself yeah. using my own rationale, what is correct, what is truth. Well, you know, even that I was born a Muslim, that I now need to prove to myself that Islam is the truth. So there's not no harm in going through that critical thinking process. Yeah. But when you've got the, the dominant ideology of trying to p take people away from religion completely and make people disbelieve in a creator, yeah. when they've got that premise and then they bring to you critical thinking, yeah. they've already said or almost set the scene for this is where we want you to head rather yeah. than going all op roads are open yeah, do your critical thinking and go down the road that fits you the best yeah. you know you know ex example i've seen seen on that um and jk i'll come back to your point then is, yes, uh, is where someone was mentioned you know they'll have workshop in school and uh, what they'll do is throughout the week i can't remember exactly what topic it was just say it was about homosexuality mm -hmm. or just say it was about apostasy or something like this right and what they tried what they do is in the in the week, they will demonize uh, people who are intolerant to these type of ideas, right? and, and they'll sort of demonize them throughout the week, right, to show these are extremists, etc. And then at the end of the week, they'll say, "Put your hands up if you are against homosexuality." Yeah, exactly. now at that stage, right? Very strategic. Yeah, very str even if the child believes somewhere, but at that stage, because of the peer pressure, the, the yeah. peer pressure, and and that's what that classroom. Imagine now that society. Exactly. And that's exactly what's happening, yeah, right? Definitely. But 
Back to your point, then I'll move on to the next question. Yeah, you? all I was going to say is that, you know, with as being and the youth and as Muslims we're living in the West, we have this, um, with Islam meaning submission, right? We're slaves of Allah, right? And it's at direct odds with their values, which is about freedom and liberalism. Mm. So there's, there are no rules. You can do yeah. what you want. Yeah. You can live how you want, mm. right? And, and, and whether it be kind of your sexual orientation, whether it be your, you know, whatever you want to do in terms of all your freedoms, so you you have that decision to make as someone in the West, you know, and and you've got friends that are have these views. Whether you follow that or you or you are genuinely want to be a slave of Allah and submit to Allah, and that and I think, I think that's where we have that challenge. And like back to what you said, the our framework for thinking is being defined by where exactly. we live, right? Exactly. Uh, by the education system, by the media, by the society at large, and because of that framework being very rigid, mm. that you must think like this this kind of atheistic way, um, that's where the challenge arises with some youth tr- trying to come to terms with the, the values of Islam, some of the rules of Islam. You know what, this, this is going to be con- a little bit controversial, yeah? You know, we, you know, you say it's a crisis, and we might see that a crisis is a negative thing, isn't it? Mm. So based on what you said, you've got this thought, people, Muslims, potentially, you know, people leaving Islam, yeah. youth struggling with LGBT and all of these issues. I would say that, you know, to call it a crisis is completely negative. Mm. But would you not say that, you know, if you have a shock treatment to the ummah where there was a time where we were in this country thinking, we look up to the people that colonised our lands almost as a liberators in a way where we were here and we could practice our deen. Yeah. And there was a positivity to it. Oh, they let us build our mosques. They yeah. even fund our mosques. They let us pray. They let us practice our deen in our yeah. spiritual kind of way. So we lived in this society and we continue to live in this society thinking, okay, everything's good. We can practice our deen. But now all of a sudden we're thinking, wait there a minute. This society is foreign to us because they're pushing certain ideas into our children. Yeah. Surely that's in a way, okay, shock. we need to protect our children, no doubt. So it's a negative and we need to do something about it. Yeah. But at the same time, if that shock treatment never happened, would we just, wouldn't we just be all right with the status quo? The thing is, bro, is, you know, mm. uh, what, you see what I mean? I see what you mean. <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't agree to a certain degree. Go on. <laughs> anyway, because... Is what uh, JK was saying Is when we were growing up There wasn't this aggressiveness mm. Okay Because right now You just say you have a confused Muslim Right Now the point is Is that That guy might be Muslim Purely by name But We cannot say Whether he's Muslim or not This is in the Akhirah Whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is going to accept mm. that But from our point of view He's Muslim Unless he says so Right yeah. Now someone might be in that, from, from our point of view Is better to be in that position than to someone who leaves Islam. Now, I know what you're trying to say. Now, there could be somebody who's in a situation where he never understood Islam. He leaves Islam because of critical thinking. And then, his critical thinking brings him back to Islam. But, we're talking about a society where that critical thinking is only from, not not a neutral point of view, it's from a specific viewpoint. And when you apply that, your conclusion would only be one, and then you have a society which is pushing only one viewpoint, yeah. it would That's be extremely difficult yeah. for that person to come back. To yeah. so, so I would say that, yeah, to a certain degree, that shock treatment is good. If it's, if it's, if it's genuine uh, questioning, yeah. right? Yeah. But anyway, let's, let's move on, inshallah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we are saying that maybe some people are leaving Islam, okay? Even though some of the statistics that I, I came across in America, for example, in one 2018, it was saying that a certain amount of people are leaving, but the only difference between that and like Christianity and stuff is that same amount of people are accepting Islam, Islam as well, right? Islam. And in that respect, 
in that respect, I might give a bit of credit to your point of view. What I mean by that? Okay, I'm not saying it's good if any Muslim leaves Islam, mm. but maybe you've got you've got a percentage that's leaving who never understood it and is being by, replaced by a percentage who understand it. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that He will replace you with people with better people. Now I'm not prophesizing and going and and but. You know, yeah, link, yeah, to, no, your, exactly. link to your point. But yeah, anyway, one more question is: is that that did come from that sh- uh, element of shock treatment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So when 9/11 happened, and when all of these things happened, whereby they're now having to talk about Islam in the media more. Yeah. Okay, even in a negative way, there will be certain people who go, okay, even though they're speaking about Islam negatively, what is this Islam? Mm-hmm. There's going to be some people then that then go, okay, let me look into what this is. Is they, not everybody just takes the media and just goes, yeah. I'm going to get completely brainwashed by the viewpoint that's promoted. Well, they, they do say yeah. that after 9-11, the, 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 the rate of conversions you know, went, went, uh, went quite high. Anyway, my next question is, is that, okay, so we do, we do identify that we, are, we, can, we can accept that some people are confused, some people have left, some people are on the brink of leaving, some people won't admit it, but in their heart they've left. So what, are, and even though some of the things you mentioned, but what do you think are some of the most... Uh, what do you think are the reasons why identify we can identify why people leave Islam? Yeah, some of the reasons. One of the main reasons uh, we hear um, is that the supposed incompatibility of Islam with modern science. Excellent. Right. So this is where, just to break that down, um, basically that there's certain things within Islam, certain facts in Islam, truths that don't really comply with what they term modern day science. And the reason I'm saying modern day science, I'm not being critical of science, mm. because science has its place. Scientific science thinking science. Has, has its place, right? Um, but the way they use the term modern day, modern science, is very ideologically di- driven. So they have brought in certain things that they teach as fact, mm. and, and are science. But in fact, they're not science, right? So I'll give you an example. The theory of evolution, the Big Bang theory. They claim these to be kind of scientific facts mm. but they're not they're theoretical as yeah. the name suggests they're, they're theory right yeah. and they have but no they're basis taught, they're taught as facts they're taught as facts and not to get too technical but what is science so what science is is um you know a practical experiment based on things that you can observe tangible things you can observe right things that they're speaking about that they that they claim to be science like evolution isn't observable mm. there's no observable observable evidence Right, so then this isn't science. It's, a, it's just a philosophy. It's a theory, right? And what's happening is that because these are in the education system, even when we grew up, mm. they were taught to us as absolute fact. You, there's no doubt within this. Mm. Um, when there's certain things within Islam that don't conform to this, that's when men, some of the youth may start questioning, right? Um, and that could be, for example, the hereafter. That could be uh, certain things within Islam, whether it be you know stories in the Quran or, or facts in the Quran that talk about how Yusuf was uh, in the in the belly of a, of a whale and Yunus, sorry, Yunus was in the belly of a whale. Mm. For example, how can this be? This doesn't agree with science. Yeah, yeah. Or whether it be Yajuj and Majuj living with, amongst us for so many years, mm. uh, thousands of years. That's an interesting yeah. one, the Yajuj and Majuj. Because of the, the latest uh, issues of, of uh, the controversy, yeah. shall we say, in regards to Dr. Yasakadi, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I mean, we can talk a bit about that. It might, it might be good detail. because, because yeah. what you're talking about there is you're talking about from a scientific point of view. But here we might have people who are esteemed scholars, people look up to, have a lot of following. And maybe if, it, and that's why we, I say, I don't see the, I don't see a controversy if you're being taught at school. 
Yeah. Well, if someone is if someone who we you know hold in high esteem and is mm. a scholar, and if they they are saying things, that's going to even add to the confusion. I think so. Maybe yeah. you want to just touch upon that. Yeah, definitely. I think that's and this is a point that we're not just talking about the youth. Mm. But the fact is, those that are especially live those living in the West, even these um, these scholars, um, the, the, these learned people, don't don't run. They're very, very they are scholarly in the sense that they've. Learn lots, right? You know, to to a high degree. Um, and Yasser Qadi, for example, he went to Yale University. Um, so in terms of um, intelligence and intellectual kind of education that he's gathered, there's there's lots there. However, so so, so what for for our listeners and you know, so what yeah. happened? What, what so what happened? Yeah. So basically, in this video, um, Yasser Qadi, he ex- he, I think it's a longer video, but within that video, he explains how this. Um, not the, the the you know the story of Yajuj and Majuj mm. that they exist today, um, they have exist for thousands of years and they are behind a wall uh, that we you know we have never had access to, and the, and that wall will eventually be broken near the end of times. Yeah. Um, and there's even a hadith where Muhammad said that Yajuj and Majuj have made a hole in this wall. That so we all know that story, right? Yeah. What Yasir Qadi essentially says is that he doesn't really believe in this. Because it doesn't agree with modern day science and modern day geography, um, because how you know, how have we not found them, mm-hmm. and how you know all these satellites that we have, how have we not identified where these people are, and how have they been living if they are kind of a human form or creation? How are they living for that many years? So he goes down this very slippery slope of questioning the the fact or the questioning this. Um, uh, this the kind of common interpretation, common, yeah, interpretation yeah. of Yajur Majuj um, because it doesn't agree with modern day science. Okay, so let's say, take modern science out of the way for a moment, right? If somebody was to, you know, say, you know, where is on this world today? Where is there a wall? Where there's the people behind it? Where, yeah. you know, they're trying to get out? There's a hole in the wall, you know. If, you know, other than a normal person, yeah, my you know my question that you know how would you answer would that? Answer it. And this goes back to the point of our premise. So our premise with Islam, we we don't take the, the scientific thinking has its place, right? Mm. Where like, as I said, where it's observable, but we we have the rational thought process when it comes to establishing in our hearts with firm conviction that Islam is the truth, mm. the Quran is the kalam of Allah, the word of Allah, and the, the sunnah is also a source of Islam and the, there are certain hadith that uh, we take into our aqidah as, as a certain, as a, as, a, as a fact, right? So when we have done this, we accept the fact that Allah is the one that um, dictates the and controls the universal laws, right? So Allah is able to... Um, you know, he is able to change these laws, and he's able to have you know, there be certain miracles that Allah can can do, as we know, right? Because it's not just Yajjim Majus. There's lots of things that we know that Allah can do. So, for example, the when Muhammad split the moon, this by, by the will of Allah, right? The the fact that there is a hereafter, the the fact that we believe in the angels with conviction, um, just because we haven't observed it through science, that doesn't mean that we don't believe it with conviction. So, because as Muslims we have come to Islam in this manner. Why would why should we question the fact that Allah can have a certain place on earth that hasn't been identified and they are living for thousands of years? This isn't difficult for us to grasp or believe because our premise is on the basis of, as I said, rational thought and coming to the conclusion that Islam is the truth and Quran is 100% fact, the word of Allah. I think what you can add to it, just to look at it from a slightly different perspective as well, especially in this particular example that we're using, mm. is... 
I think where it came about from, and I've watched a few of the videos and things like that, and there's been like other people talking about the video. And then I think Yasser Qadi himself was on, I think, a recent podcast as well. So having looked at that, what it is, is it's, it's trying to solve a problem that is created by the current situation that we're in. So currently, as we said in like the answer to the first part of the podcast yeah. we're talking about, we're living in a society which is secular, where dominant ideology is capitalism. Therefore, you know, he's trying to promote, a, a, like the brother Ishti said in the last podcast, a godless type society. Yeah. Mm. So all of a sudden, in that society, there are Muslims or anybody who are leaving theolo- you know, theistic viewpoint to an atheistic the- yeah. viewpoint, yeah? And so then what happens is, what the Sheikh, what the Yasir Qadi is saying is that we need to help those people because there's certain teachings in Islam that they can't reconcile, yeah. yeah? And they can't reconcile with their belief system. So when that particular evidence, when there is some indefinite element to it, in other words, there might be slightly different interpretations. To, we know in the Quran there's certain things that have only one meaning, and there are certain things that can have multiple meanings. We know there are things that are definite and then there are things that are indefinite. So actually Islam already gives us a yeah. way of reconciling if certain things are a miracle yeah. that we know that Allah can do miracles. Yeah. And equally we know if certain things say, you know, like if it says in, in the Quran about the embryo and all of these yeah. things, we can, someone can judge it and go, that's what it's talking about. Yeah. But as science might discover more in future, we might go, actually, maybe Allah was talking about this instead. Yeah. Because those things are ne- not necessarily definite. But the problem I've had with this is not so much the fact that some of it I agree with in that where he's saying that you shouldn't take things into your aqidah that can have different meanings. Yeah. You only can take into your aqidah what is definite. Mm. But yeah. where I think it's very problematic is, is trying to help people who are leaving the deen by going, There's a, you can take this interpretation which ex- you can agree with more. Yeah. But what happens is, all of a sudden, if other things like Isra al-Maraj and yeah. anything that is a miracle or anything that you can say doesn't, like you said, yeah. doesn't agree with modern day science, all of a sudden, what happens to that same exactly. person if you've held him into the deen because you've given him this viewpoint on this particular interpretation? But later on, the other thing, he goes, well, I don't agree with that either. Yeah, exactly. It, you can't have two premises to help the same person. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. The thing is, though, you know, with, with what the example you've given there, about the not taking uh, doubt into your aqidah and inshallah mm. what we'll do is i think you know we're going to speak about what is aqidah yeah. what's the correct because the, the whole point is the, the whole point of this is iman aqidah mm. if you arrive at it the, the correct way then it's, it's it's easy for you to refute these types of things right but you know there's one thing me saying you know what there's certain things in the quran or there's certain things in the hadith which you know, uh, are not definite in the sense of there's more than one meaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or some things might not even be definite in the sense like of nar- the, the chain of narration, how they got to us. Okay? Yep, yep, yep. So you may not accept it because of this. Fair enough. But if we refer back to that video, and like I said, it's not an issue of, of, of speaking about a particular scholar. Mm-hmm. It's a good example because it actually links to what we're speaking about and it's something which is current as well, right? It's yeah. just to do with this idea of Muslims potentially leaving because of the current that's, status. That's right, yeah. But the, the, when you say that I cannot accept this yeah. because my intellect does not accept this, yeah. Yeah. that's the problem. 
It's, it's not, you know, we can say, yeah, you know what, we, we don't accept this because of the fact that it's not at the, the strength of evidence to take into your belief. Mm. But when you're saying that I can't accept this because of geography, yep. I cannot accept this because of um, science. Now, your, the, the Islamic evidence is not your reference point. Your reference point is the science, exactly. and is I, the geography. And that's, the, that's where the problem lies. Mm. Because, you know, if... Um, uh, let, uh, go back to this example. As you know, you know if uh, the, the scholar he um, he said that because of the certain evidences and the strength of the evidence, we cannot, you know, by f- factual, you know, f- with a fact or with certainty, say that Yadjuj uh, and are people and they live here amongst us today because of the the weakness of the evidences. That you can hear that because in Islam we know there's certain things in Islam it has different levels of strength and yeah. we can get you know they, and many scholars have different interpretations yeah. because of this right. But in that video, two things, two things I think that's problematic. Firstly, he kind of does away with the classical opinion and the classical opinion is held by many scholars. Many big, big time scholars, right? So you can't just do away with them because they have come to it on a certain basis, right? So that's one problem I have with that. And the second problem, like you said, is that he doesn't say it on the basis of strength of evidence. He says, you know, to kind of quote him, paraphrase, is that the reason I don't really accept this is because it doesn't agree with modern day science and geography. That's where the problem lies. And even my intellect, and, and that's what Rush's yeah. point is, Rush's point, the point he was making is the fact that the way you perceive the reality, okay, first of all, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, if we don't agree on one process of thinking, yeah, right, then the way we evaluate reality, for example, if someone, if somebody uh, evaluates reality as matter, as being something where there's nothing before, there's nothing after, it's yeah. just matter. But there's another person who, you know, he uh, evaluates reality as being something which is created. Mm. Okay, their viewpoints are different. But what Rash is saying is a valid point: the fact that if one person is viewing it purely from what they think, yeah, then yeah. they may come into it, but then they might start disagreeing with it. Because also, what he was saying is he's saying, look, if you want to believe it, you can I'm believe really, it. Yeah. But me personally, I can't, I can't disagree with my intellect, and and see, and then what happens then is what does that mean? We can all have a, all have mm-hmm. different uh, multiple beliefs in Islam, you know. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. also maybe uh, I think it's worth mentioning uh, there was a really good uh, a video made by a brother called Sajid Lipham. Is that correct? JK? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and some of the points he made were fantastic, and and inshallah, you know, uh, uh, I'll I'll begin, and then we can you you guys can chip in because obviously I'm sure you've seen the video. And what I really liked about his video. Uh, and you know, I encourage everyone who's listening and watching to watch to check. Maybe we can include this the link as well because I think it's really good as well. Mm. You know, credit to the brother. But what he said, he said the problem isn't juj wa majuj. The problem isn't the moon being broken. He said the problem with the youth is the framework that they're being brought up with. Yeah. And you know, when he was talking about this, I thought, you know, lately, you know, we had this RSC issue. And yeah. we had Muslims, your parents, you know, getting vexed up and, and you know, and, and understandable. it's understandable, yeah. understandable because that's the nonsense they're teaching. But you know what, what this guy was saying is that basically what we're doing is when we're sending our children to these schools, basically they're being taught atheism yeah. in reality. Yeah. Right? They're being taught atheism. Going back to your points about Big Bang and stuff like this, yeah. even though they call it theory, but the way it's taught is like it's a fact, yeah. right? So... The thing is, is that has it never occurred to us that, you know, we might be, you know, a bit agitated now because of RSC and stuff, but we never ever thought that we might be sending our children 
getting these atheistic ideas, and then later on in life, you know, if we don't understand Islam ourselves, and when they have questions, and then either you don't have an answer, or you answer it in some mumbo jumbo style, right? Mm. To them, it's like, yo, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. You've you've you sent them to institutions where they've been told to think critically, yeah. to think about things. Don't just think blindly. But then you get. But when it comes to the deen, you give answers where you know it has no explanation. So I think the first point he what he was saying, and to quote from him, he was saying that the problem is the foundational worldview. That if your foundational worldview is based on Quran and Sunnah, yeah. then these evidences, the issue of Jujwa Majuj and all these other issues, you're going to see it through that lens. Yeah. But if your foundational worldview is a godless worldview or it's atheistic worldview, if, if atheistic that's a word, right? Yeah, atheism. You can or, use it. We can use it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, then when you come across these things, you're going to look at purely from the fact that how can it be yeah. that someone stayed in the belly of a, a whale for so long? How can the the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you know, just just through you know uh, pointing towards the moon, how can he crack it, yeah. make split it into two? You know, how can Musa alayhi salam um, split, the split the sea? Yeah, so actually, the brother gave a really good example in his in his video. Actually, he did actually give the example of Abu Bakr as Siddiq after the the event of Isra al Miraj, and he was saying that. The response of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq when people came to him and immediately said, look, this is what the Prophet sallallahu is saying. He's saying that he was able to travel all the way to Al-Quds and ascend to the heavens in a single night. And Abu Bakr al-Siddiq said, look, if he said, if he said it, then it happened. Yeah. And the reason he was able to be so firm on that is he'd already set his, like you said, the world view yeah. of the premise is already Quran and Sunnah. The premise is this is the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever he says is revelation in itself. If he said it, then it happened. Yeah. And you know, having that kind of firmness is what is what we should have ourselves. Yeah. And I thought that yeah. was a really good example to use. Yes, yeah, And actually, you know, uh, the way he described it, what he said was that when he, when he mentioned that example, he said that the example of Abu Bakr radiallahu, this was an example of true reason and true yeah. intellect. And what he said was that true intellect is submitting your intellect to what the Quran and the Sunnah has, has been revealed, right? I, I, what was being brought, I, I, the Quran and the Sunnah. But also, what he said is that taking something from the Quran and Sunnah and try to change it to fit your own intellect—that is true ignorance. Yeah. You know, Subhanallah. Exactly. So you know, we can see that some of the examples that you guys are given there, especially the Jujwa uh, Majuj one, mm. is something where you know we, we've we've said that if you have a certain viewpoint, mm. and then you look at these events. In a certain way, that's when you can probably see where if people haven't arrived at Islam in the correct way, then uh, they will either lose confidence, they'll be confused, and also if they go to people of knowledge and they ask them the questions, and like this guy, this one brother was telling me that some people when they have these these these, these questions, when they go to certain people, they're afraid that those people are going to be judgmental mm. and say, "What kind of Muslim are you?" Insan. So now you can imagine now our some of our youth may be in this this situation. Mm. They're product of a, a capitalist society, a godless society, and where they need help, um, either they can't ask for help because of being judged, or you have people who are supposedly in the position of authority in the sense that you know they are an authority in Islam, but they are actually in a way uh, given a view which 
may seem one where the intentions may be good in the sense like you know what but goes back to uh, Russia's point that this is going to cause problems for other issues because if you can mm-hmm. compromise on one thing today then tomorrow something else yeah. might not feel like you say it's uh, using that other methodology of going let's try and protect people so that's a positive yeah. i want to protect someone from leaving islam but if i protect them with something that we can't use for all aspects of the deen and all of a sudden when they come across other aspects there's going to be issues oh, isn't absolutely. it it's, it's confusing it's confusing because it needs to be consistent and if we use that like one example where it conforms with science okay yeah okay i can agree yeah. with that Hold on, but how do angels exist? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. That, that's where it's re- very dangerous. That's so we need it. to be consistent. And, and, and you know, even in society, you know, the original, I know we move on to some other aspects, but it's also worth understanding that, you know, when we're talking about why people are leaving Islam or if they're leaving Islam or losing confidence, those people, it's not just the it's kind of the intellectual, the scientific thought mm-hmm. side of things. We actually have issues within our own ummah in terms of, you know, people sometimes, there's like cultural things. Yeah. And they attribute cultural issues to Islam. So a, good, a reason for giving that example is a lot of the feminist type movements that have arisen, yeah. Islamic feminist type movements, is a lot of it is there's cultural reasons why women in Islam are treated in certain ways. It's certain in certain societies, maybe Asian subcontinent yeah. type societies as well. So actually when you have certain cultures that are actually diluting Islam, the correct understanding of Islam, then you have other movements arising that make people, okay, oh, let's question elements of Islam now because... Conflate. Conflate, yeah. exactly. The culture side of things conflates. So actually, I don't think it's just the scientific side of thinking. It's many things because we don't have comprehensiveness of Islam yeah. being implemented that causes this confusion within the youth. SubhanAllah, yeah. so that's, that's a fantastic point. And actually, I was going to touch slightly on that. Okay. But it's good that you, you've said it in the way you have because... A lot of times we do mix things culturally. Mm. There's things that, you know, whether, especially in the subcontinent, you know, where there's certain ideas of like uh, holy men and peer and stuff yeah. like this. You know, so when people are, are listening to stories where, you know, uh, people drowned for 40 years and then, you know, one guy came along and made a dua or something and the, and the people came back up and, you know, to, to a guy who has not got the, the, the foundation in place is going to be something which he just doesn't agree with. Mm. But also, what I notice is that not just from the scientific point of view, is I believe I've not come across a single person myself who has left Islam and who has, when giving his reasons to do so, has given any reasons which disproves the existence of a creator, mm. which disproves that the Quran is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what I've seen is that when people, when you hear the arguments, they're purely emotional. I, you know, I came across this, mm. I came across concubines, I came across this thing about the, the marriage of Muhammad, Muhammad and Aisha anha. And, and this didn't agree with me and I couldn't, morally I couldn't accept it. So mm. what you can see is it's purely emotional. So what this suggests is that the way these people have even come into, arrived into Islam was on an emotional level. Mm. And hence why it took something which was they emotionally couldn't agree with which actually tipped them, you know, over the side yeah. and they left Islam. Because I've not come across anyone who has rationally, intellectually disproved Islam. So that leads, leads me on to the next question, I think, which is, the, uh, you know, the, the highlight of this whole discussion about what is the correct way that we need to arrive at, 
iman at aqidah at islam what's the correct way you know is it okay for people to just be born in a muslim family mm-hmm. is there certain questions that we need to pose ourselves what does islam what does allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what is he asking us to do how is he commanding us to arrive at islam i think that's the important point now definitely i think that is what it leads to and this is that this is what this whole discussion um if we can take away this point i think that's you know we'll be we'll benefit from from this discussion this podcast and it's back to your point that many of us here uh, in in the west as well as the muslim world we potentially have taken islam to be kind of hereditary so it's like our parents believed in islam so that's why i i'm a muslim as there is like a culture like you said so islam isn't a nationalism right we're not just muslim because oh but i'm born in a muslim family so i'm muslim no uh, islam is something you have to believe in with certainty right and islam is very different from every other faith and belief system and the reason i said belief system is that even atheism falls into that because atheism carries this you know this trust and hope that evolution must be true it's a hope it's it's not it's not based on fact it's not it's based faith. it's a faith they have this faith and hope that mm, the scientists said so so it must be true and i've got faith and hope in this right so the islam is different and the islam we cannot place on the same kind of level with all these other faiths that have to carry this some sort of you know there's an element of doubt, doubt in it yeah? yeah with islam as as we know under the term aqida we use the islamic aqida um it must we must be carried with absolute certainty we must arrive at it decisively um and you know it needs to settle within and within the heart and what what i mean by that is that we for that as i said before we follow that rational process to determine that the there is one creator and that creator is allah that you know there's one creator and I, there's not enough time to go through the whole kind of discussion no, but no. but actually um we're able to use previous information our experiences rational and reason to come to the conclusion that there must be one god and we believe you know, that you know when you say rational you you you're saying rational you keep using that yeah, term okay. right What do you want to explain it because yeah. it's important to explain what people it's a good good point yeah it's a good understand. point and it, it's at odds with um it's a different way of thinking to the scientific way of thinking as i've already explained right rational thinking is essentially coming to a decisive or conclusive answer based on the reality so what we see around us and on on based on previous information things that we know to be true right and it doesn't need to be observable in the sense that it's not an experiment so you don't you know don't take this mug and start experimenting all its features and it, it can be things that are beyond that kind of observable realm but it's rational in the sense that based on anything else that we've experienced um we're able to satisfy that and i'll give you a really really quick example that at work a while ago um it was it was it was like with a glass actually um i was with a colleague right and um we were just talking about like the, these topics right quite deep topics and i said to him that you know this glass how did it get there like, how did this glass this mug how did it get there on the table mm. and um he said oh so someone put it there or you put it there you know you made a cup of tea and you put it there so yeah obviously i mean would you ever is there any other way that it could have got there but yeah someone else could have put it there yeah so i said okay let's just let's just define this discussion a little bit so i said okay there's three there's three things there's three ways that this mug could have got here right either someone put it there whether it's me or someone else someone could have put it there right that's one one way second thing is that it could have made itself it just made itself i mean it's absurd but that's an option yeah or it's always been there and i and i asked him that question he said obviously is someone put it there like are you, do you think i'm stupid like 
obviously. And this is what I'm giving that example because mm. I don't want to make it too technical. No, no, no. Obviously, someone put it there, right? And if if it's so difficult to believe um, the other two options just for this one mug or one glass, then how can we believe that for the whole universe? But so right? what you're saying is just just to sort of like uh, summarize your point on mm. the ration, rational thought. Yeah. So what you're saying this is something which is the correct way of thinking, and it's something yeah. that all humans should be able to on certain things should be able to arrive at the same yeah, conclusion absolutely yeah That's so for example answer. so why would uh, why would aliens uh, or the pink elephant giraffe thing whatever people some people give it, why would that why would that not fit into a rational thought process because there's no previous information on that. there's no basis okay. for that okay right? so, so, so there's no re- there's no se- you can't sense it you can't sense it absolutely um, okay whereas with allah you can sense that um, you know the the de- we're, we're dependent. We're you know we, we need some we need things to survive. Um, we won't last forever. Okay, we, we're limited. Okay, and, and by that- sensing everything that is around us, we can identify all of those attributes of the creation. Exactly, and then we can equally identify that they couldn't have come from yeah. nothing. So yeah. that rational process, every human being with a sane mind has the ability to apply that rational thought. As you've described yeah. it, in order to come to exactly. that conclusion. Okay, so so let's move on because I don't yeah. want, I don't want to make it too technical. No. So trying to make it as simple for people to understand. Yeah. So. So and the second the second point to this broader uh, discussion we're having is that we're also able through the same process to establish that the Quran is the word of Allah hundred percent, right? And this is where it brings us to this discussion, ties the two together. So if if we've gone through this process, we're fully convinced that Allah is one. You know, we believe in Allah, we believe in the Creator, and that the Quran is the uh, word of Allah, untouched. Right? Anything that is said within the Quran, we we accept as hundred percent beyond doubt. Right? So it's not even questionable. We we don't question it because we've already gone through that process of question to establish the fact that it is the word of Allah. Okay. So now anything within it, okay. we accept. So you know, you say you're saying accept. So let's just take this back back a bit. Um, okay. So what we're speaking about here, we're speaking about iman, we're speaking about aqidah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so when you say accept, I guess you mean accept in iman, okay? Uh, what is iman? Yeah. Let, let's do. Let's define iman. Yeah, no, just I will define iman for you in a second. Yes. Just just to kind of clarify from that point as well, the way I've understood it as well. Um, it's very important to look at that and say, you know, yes, we accept. You know, when we say we accept the Quran. We accept it on that premise that it came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Yeah? And we expect, accept it from the point of view that it's his speech. Yeah? But at the same time, as I mentioned a bit a few minutes or half an hour ago or so, we're saying that there are things in the Quran that are definite. In other words, they only have one meaning and from the Sunnah. And there are those things that have multiple meanings or can have multiple meanings. So when you said that we take into our Aqidah the fact that the Quran is the speech of Allah, we do. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't take into our Aqidah those things that may have multiple Im- interpretations. Okay, yeah. okay, guys, guys, let's let's try to make this like a, a, a process that we, we take mm. people through a journey. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we understand it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's so so I think we're going the wrong way around. So let's uh, let's agree upon what is iman. Yep. Let's agree upon what it was. So, what is iman? What is aqidah? So, a lot of people, you know, I've heard people say your aqidah is different to mine, mm-hmm. right? You know, you uh, you guys have a Wahhabi aqidah or you have a this aqidah, right? So, what? How would we define iman? And this is something which every Muslim should be able to understand, right? So, how do we define as iman? What is what is iman? 
I think you, you, yep. you already, he did mention it right at the beginning, just to reiterate, it is just what your heart is completely fixed on without any doubt. And when we say fixed, it has to be so watertight that, you know, nothing can shake it. So if I was to say, yeah. what was, what's the definition of Iman? Because the definition is there for purpose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. To yeah, define yeah. what we're talking about, right? So how do we say, what do we, what, how do we define Iman? So is that decisive yep. assent, right? The, the decisive belief mm-hmm. that conforms with reality, conforms okay. with what surround, surrounds us. That is what it is. And even the other word that we use um, quite interchangeably is Aqidah, right? And the term Aqidah is also based, so it comes from the word Akad, right? Which means to tie a knot, right? And the reason that word is used is because your iman is so tight that it's as though you're tying a knot. Right? It, it, it's, it's, it's that, and that's why the word, you know, as though you're tying a rope. Yeah. Um, and that's, in simple terms, that's what it means. So there's no doubt. Like, I mean, absolutely, it's not just belief. Because, you know, the word belief can carry this meaning, oh, a bit of faith and hope, right? Iman and aqidah has, it's no not doubt. that, right? It's that water tightness that as as though you're tying a rope, that aqidah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean... Uh, so I've just got a, like a quote from a, a scholar who says that uh, you know general meaning aqidah is the firm belief that one's heart is fixed upon yeah. without any wavering or doubt. It excludes any supposition, doubt, conjecture, or suspicion. Okay, exactly. So from that, what we can first of all take is that um, the, our belief, our iman, that every Muslim should have is something which needs to be proven and he needs to be convinced about. Exactly. Okay, um, and this is something. That is that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands. Because you know, when we talk about Iman, normally sometimes you might, if you say to somebody, what's Iman? They will say Iman is having Iman in Allah, in the mind of the messengers, yep. Iman in the angels, and right? But I'll say, actually, no, no. What, what you're explaining there is what you have Iman in. Hmm. Yeah. Let's take a step back. What is Iman? Because once you understand what Iman is, then you can see what fits in Iman. Yep. So it's like a framework, isn't it? it is, yeah. You know, because if, if it was just something which wasn't watertight that like you guys have ex- described, mm. then we would we would have multiple Imans. Mm. We'd have multiple Aqidas. Yeah. Okay. So we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself commands in the Quran in many ayat where Allah says he you know he he rebukes those who have their doubt who the take conjecture mm. yeah. in their belief. Yeah, so we see that as Muslims, we need to carry Islam in a way where we are truly convinced of it. Yeah, and this goes back to the problem that you know you guys were were talking about. That if people are born into Islam mm. in a way, mm. if people are haven't really understood it, haven't thought about it themselves, and then on top of that, they're in a godless society, right? We can see how some of these problems we described exactly. how they can come about. Yeah. You know, just to give some examples, you're right. Maybe like you know, if you go too technical, not everybody is going to be able to appreciate that immediately. Yes. So it's better to just give some examples. Yeah. So be- good examples are sometimes, like you say, you you know, you say you have iman in the fact that, that the Quran is the speech of Allah. Yeah. But then to give examples that yes, we have iman that that is his speech. But at the same time, you know, for instance, there are some people who come to Islam due to the scientific miracles of the Quran. They'll say, and there's many people who have written books even um, that say, look, scientific miracles of the Quran. And the issue with that is sometimes is the idea that you're coming into a belief system based on things that can be interpreted. Okay, so even though it's the Quran, there are, like I was saying a bit ago, is that there are things that you can be interpreted in multiple ways. Equally, as new realities arise, 
In other words, in the future, when some, you know, when we have, you know, flying cars and all of these, you know, we might have different realities. We might no, people might go to the moon. We haven't even got hoverboards yet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I watch Back to the Future. future. I was waiting for those. They ain't come Damn. out yet. I think everybody's waiting for those. But even say like, same people have to go and pray on the moon. It's a different reality, mm. isn't it? So the fact that the Quran, as we know, is going to be protected to Yom al Qiyamah, it'll be protected to the end of time. And therefore, as reality changes, mm. we will need new rules for new realities. Yeah. That's why parts of the Quran have that kind of deepness to them to allow us to take rulings for different and new realities. Yeah. But this is where it's problematic in that from a point of view, if someone comes to Islam and this example based on scientific miracles of the Quran, yeah. as science changes, if someone did an incorrect interpretation to say that's what Allah meant when he was talking about this and now science has changed, that person who came to Islam based on those scientific miracles, all of a sudden his or her iman is shaken because it's like, well, I believed that to mean this. I took that into my aqidah. Yeah. I took that into my iman. And because I take the Quran into my iman, yeah. all of a sudden something's changed. I'm shaken. Mm. Do I believe in Islam anymore? And this is why, as an example, it's important to appreciate we only take into aqidah, that watertight aqidah, those things which are definite yeah. and those things which are from definite sources as well. And I think it's it's worth clarifying that. And the example of you know taking Islam from scientific thought yeah. is problematic yeah, for that just, reason. Just too quickly, I know Jackie want to make a point, but I just want to add to what Rash is saying is that is a fantastic point. Uh, he always makes fantastic points anyway, <laughs> but it's a really good one because you know when he talks about this watertight thing, yeah, what's it tying around? You know when the scholars talk about aqidah, yeah, what they said was that hum as uh, humans we have something called the wijdan. Yeah. I basically, if, if one way uh, a brother mentioned, described it years and years and years ago, I've always used this example, but if you guys can think of a better one, where it's like your box of emotions. Okay, you have a box of emotions, right? And what you have is you have this, your aqidah is like a rope. And it ties this, this, this box of emotions, which done so tight that now, you know, you're emotionally in control, right? Yeah. Now where your reason and your emotions or in sync yep. you understand so what happens is where the science one why that would be a problem is you know, when something new discovery comes out there's that agitation exactly. but when you have the tr- when you've arrived at it correctly the same way when they came to Abu Bakr and they said that you know this is what your companion is saying he said that's fine exactly. I believe that he receives heaven, uh, revelation from the heavens was bigger than this what, you know why? Because of the aqidah was so tight. Because his emotion was in check. was in line, was in check. You understand? Yeah, yeah. And that's why people may um, follow idols, worship idols. Sometimes they might come through uh, when they start applying rational thought process, like you're saying. Yeah. You know, this idol was created by, was made by someone else. Mm. Was made by properties and material which we find in this dunya. Yeah. How can I be bowing down to to this? You know why? Because there's something which doesn't fit right and what happens is that you know you can keep uh, convincing yourselves and convincing is the right word but you can keep telling yourself no 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 it's fine it's fine don't ask these questions don't ask these questions it's the, it's the shaitan it's the shaitan yeah. but you know this agitation you have you know ultimately you're not at peace yeah. you're not at peace whilst if you've understood Islam in the correct way now your aqidah is watertight right now what you will see is that whether it's whether you have to make sabr whether it's hardships, whether it's sacrificing in the way of Allah 
to you it's a second nature yeah, yeah. because this is part of you and this is now affecting your behavior yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i just want to make that point no i totally agree and it's, it's linked to a point that i wanted to make as well in the sense that you know with um it's not blind faith like it's not it's not as though we just accept islam and don't ask any questions no no, no just you know just just accept it that's christianity so when, when christians ask oh, you know trinity just doesn't make sense what does the priest just say? I'll just accept it. You know, it's just an emotional response. So I'll just accept it. With Islam, as we've explained, it's not. Because we've had that water tightness. We have that iman in Allah, in the Quran, and whatever is in, is in no, the Quran. No, but the way you've described there, bro, I listened to a podcast where this yeah. guy, is convert, he was saying that he used to go to a Christian school. Yeah. And there was he came across two uh, two verses which contradicted each other. Okay. So he goes, I went to the teacher. And I said to him, you know, Mr. Teacher, these two verses contradict. And he says, oh, I didn't know that was there. And he goes, I thought, this guy is the teacher. Mm-hmm. This guy is the teacher, right? And he goes, from that day. No, no, he goes, he goes then uh, he said, okay. Uh, he goes, oh, I don't know. He goes, from that day, he goes, I lost faith, faith. because... In the Bible. In the Bible. Yeah. You know, and eventually this was on his road to Islam. So that's right. so that's the example. But what you're saying there is, is bang on. But now imagine where Muslims have these same questions and they go to imams and scholars. Not scholars, but imams certainly, or your elders who are equipped with culture and stuff like this, yeah. they're in the same boat, bro. Exactly. And that's why it's really dangerous. And why as parents, as those that are still quite young, uh, don't have, I don't have any kids yet, but inshallah, inshallah one inshallah. day, uh, when, when, when we do, we need to be really careful. And and this is not, I don't want to kind of blame, I don't want to put any blame on parents, but we have to be really careful of what's going on with our children, what they're going through. Because, you know, when we want our kids to be successful, right? So when we t- take send them to school and we send them to university we have this kind of hope that they're going to learn and become really successful uh, people in in their lives right but what we don't realize is that this indoctrination that's happening within these systems that we need to protect our children from and i'll give you a really quick story is that um experience myself um knew that knew this uh, this um, brother who sent his child to like one of the best private schools Mm. and this in this private school um near our house actually was um it was it was, it was really well-renowned where we live. And he, um, this, father, this brother came to me and said, my, my, my son's questioning Islam and he's, he's on the verge of leaving Islam. Do something. And I said, I went to the, I said to the brother first, why, why do you think this is happening? And he said, he's just been really influenced by all this, the things that they're teaching him at school. And I said, what I said to the brother, I sincerely advised him, said, you know, the problem is that when we initially wanted to send them to this school, pay thousands and thousands of pounds to send them to these schools, private schools. Um, pr- private schools. We never really thought about this danger that exists within these private schools. Oh, are, 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 are the top levels of, uh, you could call it kind of intellect, but they uh, you know, expose the most kind of ardent beliefs of the evolution as being fact and all of this. And I spoke to the young brother um, to kind of, kind of speak to him about why he shouldn't be thinking about leaving Islam and think about it a bit further and um, go through this process that we've been speaking about. And he did, he did take a bit on, but the fact and reality is that it's been embedded so within them that it's really difficult to now change that framework. So framework you've lived... Especially because you're this person that they probably don't even know outside, whereas the person who has taught them some of those things yeah. are actually the teachers that they're already looking up to because exactly. they're in those institutions where they're thinking, well, to make myself a success... I need to be successful in this institution. Yeah. The we have the best teachers in all of the UK and all of the, all mm. of the world in these some of these institutions. Surely, what they're gonna say, especially about some of this 
kind of topics of critical thinking about this level of knowledge surely that teacher is going to know more than some muslim person who you know isn't in this field so there's a natural hesitation to start those discussions with people and that's where it's quite very problematic and dangerous if if you did a flip mode on that and imagine now they had the correct understanding and then you sent them to these schools They'd, they'd influence others. And this is what the really sad thing was that this child now viewed his parents as being kind of idiots and backwards and thought the school and people, his teachers, to be those that are the higher levels of intellect. In fact, it's the opposite way around. And it brings us to that point that, you know, as Muslims, we need to have that confidence in Islam that we are on the truth. They are on the battle. They are on the, on, the, on the falsehood. We're the ones that carry the correct way of thinking they have the incorrect way of thinking and when we do have this we will be able to influence others right and and that's why it's so important that all of us um go through it as we've explained establish our iman our qida in this correct manner and it's why all muslims need to have this kind of way of coming to the aqidah because yeah. like for example especially we're from asian subcontinents that kind of back kind of um uh, culture yeah. in that way we've well, been you're brought say backward, up. Backward, well, yeah there's a bit of a backward thought element there as well but you go to mosques and things and they throw things at you that you know like forget scientific thought it's just there is no there's doesn't come from quran doesn't come from sunnah it comes from oh you know like this beer said this this person said this oh in a village somewhere this happened and a missile came out of the sky and someone prayed and that missile exploded you yeah. get all of this stuff that you know, this is not even about believing something on the basis of pure evidence. It's just believing based on emotion of someone. What yeah. happens? The kids come into that environment and they go, that's bogus. Yeah, and they just, okay. that's when they do the flip mode and they say, I, I just don't want anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. So that's why we need to come to Aqidah with decisiveness and not bring all of these other things in, which are either culture, which are completely not based in evidence. And that's, I think that's really important. Yeah, subhanAllah, man. So inshallah, coming to the, uh, the, the end of the podcast, um, just to uh, go through, go over some, some, some of the key points uh, and then make some additional points uh, before we end, which I think is important as well, but we don't even spend too much time mm-hmm. on it, is that first of all is exactly what Rash said, is if we go back to the original uh, discussion, we started off about people leaving Islam, and the reason are to do society, and uh, the reasons are to do what it boils down to really is how they've arrived at Islam. That's mm-hmm. what it boils down to. If you're living in a society where it's like it's implementing the Sharia, where at every stage in society, whether it's personal or whether it's societal, all you're being reminded about Islam, the intellectual proofs. I'm not talking about you know blind faith, intellectual proofs. You can see that you know what it would produce. It would produce mm-hmm. your Imam Shafi's and Imam Malik and all these great people in the past, right? And now, when we look at the society, the fact that the, there's no there's no Islamic state, the fact mm-hmm. that the Islamic state has been absent for so long, the fact that the colonialists are ruling the world, the fact that we us Muslims, the Muslims are in the West, the fact that we go to the same schools, etc., etc. So when we talk about crisis. You know, going back to my point, I'm not going to use the Rocky theme theme uh, music again. <laughs> but if you think about it, put all those things in into the mix, and the fact that we're still holding on to our deen, right, and we still haven't all you know apostatized, actually shows the how strong the deen is. And imagine if it was being implemented, 
what you would be producing as in the people, the personnel, the industries, the, the technology, etc. So I think the key point to take away really is for everyone, for all the listeners and people watching is that your Iman, your Aqidah, we have to understand this, right? This is the fundamental question in our life and we have to understand it ourselves and teach it to our kids. But also before we end, another a few few moments that I think is important is that what we see from this if is that as Muslims, as an Ummah, we see that the unifying factor for the Ummah is the Iman, is the Aqidah. If we, yeah. That's why if we understand in the correct, if we all understood in the correct way, we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't allow the enemies of Islam to divide us on this is your Aqidah mm. and this is your Aqidah. Okay? And in fact, we can have differences. You can, you can pray with your hands to your side. Mm-hmm. You can you know, do Rafia Dain. You can do all these different types of things which are permissible and are linked to what Rash was talking about before where some evidence are general. But when it comes to your Aqidah and if you use the framework where every single, thi- every single thing has to be definite, every single human can agree to this, then we can see that this would have the unifying factor and we would see, subhanAllah, that you know, it would be more difficult for the enemies, the plots of the, of the, of the enemies of Islam who are trying to uh, divide us. Just a really, really quick point. Yeah. You know your point about that it's a unifying factor. Mm. The fact is, it's, this isn't theoretical. In history, in the golden age of Islam, mm. the Islamic Aqidah did unify Allah. entire nations that were different tribes, different languages. Allah. But it did. So it's not like a theory. It's, it, it did happen and it could happen again. Allah says, hold on to the rope of, rope of Allah and do not be yeah. divided. Anyway, inshallah. We should ta'ala. question, last, my <laughs> last point is, we should question that wherever there is anybody who's trying to divide people based on Aqidah, yeah. to the extent that they make the fear of other people saying that they're non-Muslim, just because of certain differences, that we should question that immediately yeah. and then bring them back to this premise. The Aqidah and Islam should unite, not divide. 100%. And I've said in the podcast before, whilst we hear the, the voices of disunity, we need to drown them with the voice of unity. So inshallah, ta'ala, I'm going to end on, on that note. Uh, for all the viewers, Jazakallah for listening and watching. Followers on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, Facebook. And if I've missed anything. All no? different podcasts. All diff- oh yeah, all popular podcast platforms, inshallah. Ta'ala. And you know, for everyone at home, this is, this is a, a topic which is far more important than what we discussed previously. This is basically, you know, the Aqidah, this is something which makes you a Muslim and this is something that which is under attack now. Uh, before we were attacked to divide us, it didn't work because the unifying factor is our Iman and Aqidah. But what we see now is the enemies of Islam are attacking this and we see confusion in the Ummah and we need to be those from the Ummah who cleared these doubts, who cleared the confusion. No one is going to fall out of the sky to do this. We need to do this ourselves. So inshallah on that note, um, I'll end a uh, big jazakallah ahead for my usual co-host Rush Barakallah and also brother JK took some time out to uh, you know come on the show and inshallah we'll have you again inshallah. and uh, on that note jazakallah ahead for watching assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu